Thank you very much. It's a, a great covenant for me to have an opportunity to share some ideas with you. From the first of all, from the pulpit that Harav Yudin teaches from and has taught for so many years, and is one of the prime examples of what Remarkus was speaking about of being a machanech and a mashpia that we all look up to and uh, try to emulate. And then to have the covet of sharing some debitorah from the shtender, from the pulpit of a, of a usually refined and accomplished Talmud is a great source of nachas that I'm sure you can imagine. And it's a covet for me to be here, Vashus Rav Shechter. And look forward together with you to hearing the next presentation from the Rosh Hashiva. Let me pick up with one of the ideas that Remark was discussed, and that is that uh, we begin and end my, this presentation on issues of Chinuch with an appreciation that uh, after we put our best efforts into inculcating within our children our goals and our aspirations, we have to dab into Rabbonu Shlolem. I was very, very touched by something that I read many years ago. That someone approached the Briskarov, one of the greatest uh, Torah luminaries of the 20th century. And the Briskarov has his children, his sons, one is Beryl, said Shirim, for many, many years, many great Tamil Chachamim, and Rabbi David. Yarvach Yomov Ushnoisov and Ibn Machamachaim, Rev Mir, almost every son became a fantastic Talmud Chacham and a Magashir. And they, somebody once approached the Rizkarov and asked, How did you accomplish it? Teach us the secrets. The Rizkarov said, You can't imagine how many tears I shed in my prayers that my children should have that kind of success and accomplishment. And bring it much closer to home. Just a few months ago in our own neighborhood, Rev. Roberts, the Rosh Hashiva, told of one of his own Talmidim who was having a difficult day in the Beis HaMedrash and he uh, called his, uh, his mother for some chizok and he said to his mother, are you davening for me? And his mother said, of course I'm davening for you. And he said, well, it's not going so well today. The learning's not going so well. Are you sure you're davening for me today? She said, every day I daven for you. And then he said, where do you, where do you, he says, he says, when I say Vaharevna in the morning, so I say one Vaharevna, she lists her first son. And I say another Vaharevna for my second son. And the third Vaharevna for you. I'm not saying what you do all feed in, but that's the way we should daven. And uh, ultimately, we uh, hope that all of our efforts, as Ray Marquis spoke about, to be Mashbi and our children, that the Kaddish Baruch Hu should see what we want to accomplish. Kaddish Baruch Hu should see where our hearts are and take all of our ishtadlis and give it great, great blessing. I heard many times from Rav Shechter Shlita that uh, after the event of Matan Torah that we read about just yesterday, but in the, rec- the record of Matan Torah that we will read about in Parshas Vashanan, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Klal Yisrael, Shuvu leich and morlem Kaddish Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu Shuvu leich and morlem Shuvu lachem li oho leichem 
And that the posse, go back to your tents, which Chazal interpreted to mean, go back to be with your wives, because the last uh, three days before Matan Torah, we had to separate. So that became a new mandate, a new, a new approach, a new understanding of the mitzvah of Piribiribia. That until Matan Torah, our obligation to have children was to populate the Rebbeinu world and to uh, bring greater accomplishment to Kaddish Baruch Hu's world. But after Matan Torah, the mandate for a Jew was to maintain and to teach the Mesorah that we had learned at Har Sinai, the Mesorah that we received from our Rebbeim, and then to try our best with God's great blessing to transmit that Mesorah to the next generation. And that's Shuvu Lachem Le'oholeichem. We have uh, around uh, the entire YU campus, wherever you go, they have the, the, uh, the pitgam, the phrase, building tomorrow today. The pictures all over of the various rebellion. And underneath, building tomorrow today. I hope that it's a good and successful financial campaign. But it, uh, as I was preparing this presentation tonight, I figured that's really what we're talking about. Building tomorrow, trying to figure out how we will extend the Mesora to the next generation, and working on it today. Kedes Yitzchak points out that the posuk of Shuvu Lachem Liyolechem is juxtaposed to Kedush Baruch Hu telling Moshe Rabbeinu, po Amod Imodi, you stay here. You, Moshe your place is up in our Sinai. Shuvu Lachem Liyolechem, but send all the Jews back. So says the. Akedas uh, Yitzchak, that these two jobs, these two roles, were necessary. They worked together. Moshe Rabbeinu, his position was to be the, the one who would give us the Messorah and begin to teach us the Messorah. The rest of us, our job was Shuvu Lachem Lialechem, to uh, prepare our homes and our places so that that we will be successful in learning from Moshe Rabbeinu. But the Kedah says the juxtaposition shows of similar, if not equal, importance. And what we do in our homes. Just a few days ago, Abel Leibowitz in Long Island uh, sent out a, uh, a phrase, a line that he heard from Rav Osher Rosh Weiss says that, uh, that it is easier today than ever before to become a Tamil Chacham. It is harder today than it ever was before to want to become a Tamil Chacham. Because we have so many distractions. And then he said, but what every Jew can do is to build a home to the best of our ability, and paraphrasing, that is a home that is happy. A home that uh, teaches the joy of observing Torah and keeping mitzvahs. And that's the uh, first idea, the first avoda of what we're discussing tonight. And that is to do our best to create happy and peaceful and respectful homes, homes that are nurturing, homes that uh, give great uh, stability. And almost everything that we'll say today, the ideas that we'll say, are ideas that come from great mechanchim. I'll try to... Dress it up with various Torah from the giants of our people. But the actual ideas that we're expressing come from people like uh, Dr. Benny 
Sarotskin, one of the foremost, foremost uh, psychologists in the Jewish community, that is um, also Talmud Chacham, Moshe Don Kestenbaum, who wrote the volume that I'm holding, The Heart of Parenting, who was around for many, many years in uh, Waterbury, is a, is a uh, I think also has a, a degree in, I believe, social work, but is one of the great mashpiyim, uh, the great mechanchim, and those who understand this upcoming generation. And I think now, now he's teaching in, um, in Heichal, Atar, and Tinek, and on the island. And much of their writings, and the people that they quote, point out that the greatest success in the teaching Torah, the greatest uh, key or indicator of success is a home that uh, is peaceful, is respectful, a place where children find uh, stability and happiness. The, uh, there's a famous idea from Rabbi Schwab that we hear from time to time that when Manoach asked the Malach after he was told that uh, his child would be a, a Nazir, Menoach said, So let's review this once again. What's this understanding? What's this deal of uh, raising a child to be a nozim meirechem? So tishmar. And the simple reading is, uh, I told you already. So the strange conversation to record in Tanakh. Please repeat it. No, you know it already. So Rishwab pointed out that that's not what and the Malach was saying, You have to keep it yourselves. He was telling Manoach and his wife that if they're going to be successful in raising a Nozir in their home, so then they have to know what is Aleichem. Leich shuvu lochem le'aleichem. As the Kedush Baruch was giving us Torah, it was Claudius Yisrael's role to uh, create a home that uh, would be a place where a child feels loved and comfortable. I remember, I suggested some time ago that when Yaakov Avinu is referred to as Ishtam Yoshev Oholim, so Chazal say that he was in the Ohol of Shem Ve'ever. Perhaps that means he had his own Ohel, the Messorah of Yitzhak, and the Ohol of Shem Ve'ever. I suggested every child needs two Oholim to be successful. They need the oil of a Beis of a school, of a yeshiva, where there is a measure of competition and there are standards that have to be uh, maintained. But then they need the comfort of a home where there's no competition and where a child is accepted precisely for who he is and where the standards sometimes would be relaxed in uh, the expectations that we may have. I remember reading many years ago, I'm being very impressed by... Solomon in one of his English lectures that he, uh, he, he asked why is it that um, Miriam and Yocheved the two great Nevios of the beginning of Shemos of Klal Yisrael are referred to as Shifra and Pua as people who took care of the babies when they're very very young and he suggested because as great as they were as Nevios as important as they were to Klal Yisrael and for the events of Agulas Yisrael. But far more impactful for later generations is the appreciation of how one has to make sure that the home is a home that is comfortable and a home that is great love. 
And he writes there, and I can't use his exact words because it was said at a different time. But he writes how every child comes home from school and comes home in, a, in a, an emotionally bruised state. Again, I couldn't say this. But he said, there isn't a child that doesn't come home from maybe yeshiva's a little bit different, but it wasn't that long when he wrote this. Comes home and he's been, he's been pushed around emotionally. And uh, things have been demanded of him. And if he comes home, his mother's there, his mother's taking care of him. So that is, uh, creates the Shuvu Lachem Liolechem that can be the, uh, the greatest, uh, and first the, the underpinning avoda that we have to provide for our children. Meshachachma writes, I think in yesterday's parsha that Vitneshek Dushosan Laolam because Claudius Yisrael was imbued with sanctity at our Sinai so we have the ability to create these beautiful tents which will, these beautiful homes that will continue to nurture and maintain that Mesorah so that's uh, the first avoda very often when I have gone to Levayas or Chwana Lutzlan and I hear people speaking about a grandmother and uh, they speak about the, uh, know, the Kugel and the Chalopshes and the Kokosh and I always had this uh, sinking feeling that uh, I'm sure the kugel and the kokosh are very, very tasty. But this is uh, a levaya, this is a person's legacy. So, uh, is that uppermost? But then when you think about it, what they were really expressing in those hespedim is that uh, they came home and there was something there that represented that while they were away, what was uppermost in their mother's mind was preparing for when they would come home. And uh, the work that went into preparing, that's apparently what was so well communicated. I'm not suggesting we go back to that, because nowadays it would be uh, carrot sticks and celery sticks, I don't think it does the same thing. But the, the idea that we should be messaging to our children that our fulfillment our, and the meaningfulness of our lives is what happens at home. And uh, that the challenges that we sometimes see outside of the home and the aspirations we have, we have to be able to message to our children that they really pale in terms of what we want to accomplish inside. Therefore, I think the second part of the Yavoda is to build a, a family, a caring and concerned family. That uh, children who are raised and they have a sense of responsibility for their siblings and they feel their siblings are there for them. So I think that's also your own families. Your family is a certain culture. Your family has their own uh, family jokes. They have their own family memories. They have, uh, that's the value of family vacations. So that creates a, um, an, a, uh, such a comfortable nest, so to speak. And uh, so often, when we see youngsters who are challenged in terms of their amunah, the Shemir Mitzvahs, what anchors them is the close, warm, familial relationships. And they've seen this time and time again, that a person may be on the edge of where their firmkite is, but it's knowing that that is part of the family heritage and part of the family relationships that uh, holds, them, holds them strong so that uh, we can sometimes rebuild 
some of the uh, lapses of Amunah and of Yerushimayim that may be there. There is a very striking um, tzavah that Rav Hirsch uh, penned for his own children. Where he says that uh, the one request he has of his children that they live peacefully together. The one request, the most important thing to him is that the children, the siblings should get along. And that's Liacha Mashana, but that represents one of the great avodos, one of the great uh, accomplishments that we have to strive to, um, to achieve. I, said, I mentioned yesterday in Shul that there is uh, an interesting comment by the Kotzke Rebbe. Kotzke Rebbe, in the very first Rashi, by Yishma Yisrael, the Rashi is a famous Rashi, the questions you probably pondered yesterday. Why does Rashi say, Mashmur Shoma Ubo made him come? Why does he pick Kriyas Yamsuf and Amolek? Why didn't he, it was after Matan Torah, he should pick Matan Torah. Before Matan Torah, there was the Be'er, there was the Daman. So the, the uh, Kotzker said that the Pshat Rashi is, Mashmur Shoma Ubo, that there could be an Amolek after Kriyas Yamsuf. And then how are you talking? After Kriyas Yamsuf, after Alufi Edom, Mikhzimarod, the entire Oznavog, Kol Yoshvikanon. Everybody was impressed. Everybody was taken. Everybody knew what had happened. How could there be an Amalek afterward? So Kotzke Rebbe said that because uh, they didn't have a Rebbe. They didn't have a teacher. They didn't have someone who would direct how do you internalize the Kriyas Yamsuf. So you can have a Kriyas Yamsuf, you can be tremendously impressed. But unless you have somebody taking you by the hand and saying, this is, comes from the Rabbon Shalom, unless you have somebody teaching you it's an example of Ashkoch of Protis, it's an example of Akash Baruch Hu's it's an example of the choice of Klal Yisrael, so you can have an Amalek afterward. And uh, with that he impressed, and that's what Yisrael was searching for. Yisrael understood that. So he just said, I have the same experience, but what's going to make the difference of, uh, what will make the difference for me? If I go to Moshe Rabbeinu, Chosin Moshe. If I get myself a Moshe Rabbeinu, so then I will be that one person who's able to internalize the ideas that, are, that we would think are there and are palpable. We are all that chosen Rebbe Mothers and fathers of the Rebbe that every that Kishvoruch gave every every child, and at first, uh, one of their basic uh, obligations is to process for them, to help them process, to teach a child how to read, how to understand things, to be able to see that this is the Yad Hashem, how to interpret the events that are happening within the family and beyond, to understand the responsibility that seeing the Yad Hashem places upon us. To be able to have a palpable sense of a Kaddish Baruch Hu being present, that has to, doesn't happen by itself. It happens by direct teaching. And the, um, this is one of the ideas that Dr. Sirotskin emphasizes in many of his uh, lectures, is that the, for him one of the single most important principles of the parenting is for the parent to realize that that relationship is indispensable and that a child who does not feel 
that he has earned his parents' uh, respect, that is a source of devastation. A child who, to whom is communicated that they are a disappointment. A child, can, he can tell a child that they have done disappointing things. But he has stressed many times that if a child is seen as being a, a disappointment, and that means that the relationship between the parent and the child has been uh, close to severed, and the damage that that does to a child, and the way that the child uh, feels sort of uh, cast, that is something that he thinks is responsible for so many uh, lost souls. He, um, he writes... And this is something that Rabbi uh, Kesselbaum writes and Dr. Sroskin has said and they've heard from other great Mechanchem that almost every child, every youngster that they meet who has struggled with their Yiddish guide can be traced back to some emotional unhealthiness. It is quite difficult to find a child this is Ari Kesselmam's writing, whose experiences span decades now, who was a happy, who was happy with himself, his parents and his teachers, but still went astray to fill his desires. This is an idea said in many different ways, but I said by many mechanchem. And it makes so much sense, because the Kedush gave us the Darachei Noam. Kedush gave us the Torah that speaks to everybody's neshama, that is born out of a sense of Ruchnis that Hizbrochu gave us. So there has to be something that uh, went astray. Again, we're not explaining every single phenomena, but uh, these uh, Mechanchem say that they see this time and again and they hardly see any exceptions. So then that's the great avoda that we have. Aleichem, to create a home that is stable, that is comfortable the avoda of building a family, a family culture, family relationships, and then coming to the realization that uh, parents have this unique capacity to instill covet and respect, and if Rahman al that is missing, so then, the, um, then one of the great uh, sources of strength that uh, we're able to transmit our Mesorah through them is terribly lost. How does one do this? How does one create uh, this, uh, this great uh, sense of, of optimism that a parent should have in their children? We discussed yesterday in Shul that Moshe Rabbeinu, at the, towards the end of the parsha, he says, Kiravatem, each one of you can come to Har Sinai. And when we did not respond to Moshe Rabbeinu, Vayamud Merachok, and we stood back, so that was one of the great disappointments of Moshe Rabbeinu, that we did not feel we could go to Tamar Sinai. It's so disappointing that in, uh, 40 years later, Moshe Rabbeinu again says to Klal Yisrael, you didn't come to the top of Har Sinai, he touched him, Chazal say, he touched him, Kochi, you entirely exhausted me. I was, uh, sucked out of, of life and of optimism when the Yamin Meirachaik, Kedush Baruch Hu says, "Miyitain, miyitain, Hashem le, le miyitain v'hoya levavam zeh lem liyiros." Kedush Baruch Hu is looking at the same event and says, "This is uh, this is very positive. Such reverence, such Yerushalayim." 
So how can you have the same event that Moshe Rabbeinu lives with as being a source of a great disappointment and Kedush says, Me'yitain, this is good. And I think that that's the picture that Kedush Baruch Hu is drawing for us. That at the same time as the Rebbe, as the teacher, as the parent says, Kirav Atem, and expresses tremendous optimism and tremendous, uh, tremendous hope and tremendous confidence in what we can accomplish. We can make it to the top of our Sinai. At the same time, it's entirely right for the child to say, but I need to have a Moshe Rabbein who's going to make the connection for me. I need to have a parent who's going to teach me and direct me. So the Baruch Hu was saying, that picture of the Rebbe, of the parent having tremendous confidence, and of the child at the same time appreciating that he can't do it on his own, so that uh, is the picture that we want to create and recreate in our families. There's a, a striking Meshachachma that I saw at Meshachim Devinsk in Parshas Bo. He discusses the question of why Rachmanul of Slan, if a person is a Sagi Nohar, a person cannot see, the Gemara discusses, are they Chayev in the mitzvah of of teaching their children Seder night? So Meshachimcha says, the concern that the Chazal have is that a person, Rachmanul Atzlan, who cannot see his life is a different kind of a life. Lo yikach, he says, Gamba nov He says, somehow he's made his peace with a life, a world he can't see. But he can't see about the things that his children are getting excited about. Af, he says, it's the language I found to be so instructive. He says, for him, negotiating this world is difficult. Negotiating the world is one that continuously creates greater challenges. He says, he can't, he's not experiencing the world in the same way as his children are experiencing the world. He's detached from his children's world. Again, the, the, the language is so striking. Those of us, in my age and older, and we grew up when so many of our peers were, had parents who grew up in a different culture. And we saw the, the barrier that I created. We had great siyata deshmaya. But nevertheless, so many of our peers are, accomplished so much when it came to Torah and mitzvahs, but we remember that difficulty so, so clearly about the parents and children experiencing different worlds and how children were not open to their parents advice because they figured they're coming from a different world. That's what the Meshachachim was saying about Chazal's concern about Asuma teaching mitzvahs. We, Baruch Hashem, are in a different uh, situation. The connections that, that uh, my generation and your generation have with children is far stronger because the experiences are so, so much of the same. It is a challenge that we will all have going forward because our children are growing up in a and a culture which is much more digitized than our own 
and that's one of the great lessons we have to learn from this Meshachachma is to, to move ahead, to appreciate and not fall behind so that we are living in the same world. There are huge cultural differences and it becomes one of the challenges of parents to not to fall behind, so to speak. To make sure that the experiences that we're having are the same. There's a, a remarkable story about Rabbi Freifeld, one of the great... Uh, one of the great teachers of the later part of the 20th century, one of the great mashvim that the Jew came to him who had, um, had gone far afield, and his most recent experiences were that he was somewhere involved in the Indian, some Indian reservation, in the culture of the Indian reservation. And uh, he spent time trying to teach him and bring him, bring him close. And uh, one time they were in the office together, and Reifold got called out to a meeting and he left this uh, fresh student back from the reservation in his office alone. Uh, he was a curious person. He was looking around at the various books that were there and he saw that there were two very large books on the floor. And he was uh, surprised. He said, this is an accident. How could uh, the Rashiva put two swarm on the floor? Behind his desk, so he bent down to pick them up in order to put them in a more respectful place and he saw that they were books about Indian culture, Indian reservation. And he realized that Rabbi Freifeld was educating himself so he could speak the same language as the Talmud. And he was so impressed that his Rebbe was so invested in understanding who he was that that was one of the great uh, game changers in this person's uh, life. And that's what the, we can learn from this Meshachachma, but the, one, the avodos of parents is to take pride in their children's accomplishments. To take pride, even if a child may be involved in something which for us looks a little bit different Irish, it's not so smart, it's not dangerous, maybe in our minds, something gets us upset, maybe it's wasting time sometimes. But if that's our children's culture, and we want to be able to connect with them and we want to share their world with them so then we have to make sure that we have that uh, understanding and uh, try to pursue it and it's something which it gets harder as time goes on but Kishwarko gives us the capacity to do that the this Rabbi Kestenbaum quotes Again, a frightening statement from a Braffman in 1977, which takes to be a psychological truth. And that is that Braffman said that he has, uh, whenever he has seen children who are to not live up to the Mesora expectations of their parents, he usually sees that there was a lack of understanding, a lack of respect between the parents for the children, a lack of communication, and a lack of accepting the children for whom they are. Rikesenbaum says that sometimes one needs tools to help us have that respect for our children. Sometimes we need tools to help us appreciate our children. So I would say there are uh, two tools that I would share with you this evening. One is, I would put it in the, in the words of Rav Kook's itself. Rav Kook writes, and I think now it's even a song, Tzorech shekol ish yovin ner. Every person has to know that inside of them there is this source of light. The Ein Neiro Shalo Kenercha 
and one's source of light is not like the other. There is no person that doesn't have a source of light. And everyone has to know well and understand that his job in this world is to be able to work hard, to be able to bring the candle that is inside of him with Laliko, that it becomes a flame, Avuka, a torch, Gedolahir, as a Olam Kulo. To appreciate that every Tselem Elohim has a mission to accomplish. Some mission may be Vata Amod Poimadi, and one mission may be accomplished in Shuvah Lechem Lechem. But that uh, source of that understanding sometimes helps us in appreciating and having the respect for our children that is essential for us to be able to maintain the relationship and do the avodah which is ours. And then to appreciate that the nisyonos that our children have are far greater, as Osher Weiss pointed out, as far greater than many of the nisyonos that we have encountered. That the tests that they have, the distractions that they have, the, uh, we don't have to speak about technology, we speak about it all the time, but the affluence that we provided for them and the affluence that our communities have created as expectations of them. The uh, sense of accomplishment that uh, has to be in Western world and has to be of high profile to be considered accomplished. So these are great distractions to uh, growing in Kedusha that we have created for our children. We may have done it without realizing it. We may ourselves be victims of it. But these are certainly tests in the Sionos that our children have, which are much greater distractions to growth in uh, Yerushalayim and by appreciating the stress that they are under. The anxiety that so many children have has to come from someplace. So they have tests that are far greater than ours. And by appreciating that, one is able to build a, a great and healthy sense of respect for one's children. I want to close with uh, an idea best uh, communicated to a story that I heard a few months ago. I shared it in shul and I apologize for those, to those who are hearing it for the second time. And, uh, we had a, in a Rebbe's meeting at Yeshiva not so long ago, one of the Rebbeim complained that we have all the pictures of the various Rebbeim in the Yeshiva. Underneath we have this phrase, building tomorrow today. So one of the Rebbeim said, but that's not really a Jewish uh, phrase. Why don't we have Ashreinu Matov Chokeinu? So we came back after winter break and there were two signs all over the Yeshiva, Doors. one is building tomorrow today and the other is Ashreinu Matov Chokeinu. And the emphasis is that uh, that's probably one of the greatest themes we could have to finish off uh, this talk. And that is that we are best shot at building our children's allegiance to the Sora is if our Aleichem, our tents, our homes are full of Ashreinu Matov Chalkeinu. And I heard a few months ago of Tumi Alef and one of the great Metifim of this generation and uh, very important to Rav in, in Brooklyn. And this is the story that, as, as, as the third or fourth iteration, maybe once I'll invite him to speak and you'll hear the story in its original form. And he said that uh, he, there was, this happened in America, but it happened in Israel, I think. I'm not sure. That uh, at the end of uh, a camp session, 
the children were promised that they would go to a certain uh, certain amusement park. And they'd arranged that the amusement park would be uh, entirely for boys that day. So they uh, drove into the amusement park and it had been arranged, all boys are going to have this, is, they were looking forward to this, this is one of the climactic events of the summer and they get there and there was a miscommunication. And uh, it turned out that there were both boys and girls there. And the leaders of the, uh, of the group said that uh, we're not going to be able to go into the park, we're going to have to go back and find something else to do. It was a source of great, great disappointment. They were looking forward to it. And there was one child who began singing Ashrenu Matov Chalkeinu. And he got the children to start dancing Ashrenu Matov Chalkeinu. That's a phenomenal accomplishment for a young child. And when this, uh, the leader of this group went uh, at night and they had the, the meeting of the various division heads and he told the story, so another division head said, this, that's crazy, because we were at a different end of the park, we went to a different uh, parking zone, and uh, the same thing happened. And they uh, talked it over, and they realized they were two brothers of the same family. So they said, we've got to find out what's going on in this house. This is, uh, we've got to learn from this house. So, the head of the camp called up the family, speak to the father and said, uh, I'm going to give you nachas. What is going on in your home? <laughs> what are you doing? So he uh, tried to evade and said, Baruch uh, Hashem, he's very grateful, his children are wonderful, they learn well, so on and so forth. The camp wouldn't let him go. He said, no, no, this is not an accident, this has happened. You must, something must have happened in your home, you have to tell it. After a while he said, okay, I'll tell you what happened said that uh, some time ago his, um, his, he came home and he sees that the freezers are open and that there are wrappers all over the table and they've been uh, emptied out and all the things he keeps in the freezers all the mamtakim, uh, uh, all the candies and all the ices they're all over the place so he says to his wife what's happening? She said, I promised the children that we'd go to a certain uh, ice cream store and we'd get a certain ice cream and apparently it's something that was uh, very, very special and not many were able to have it. And they get to the ice cream store and she realizes that it switched hashkochas. And it wasn't hashkochas that they were comfortable with. So she gets the children together and she says, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to. But I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll go home and we will raid the freezers. It's all yours. Anything you want from the freezers you can have. So the father said, our children had, were so successful in such an isoyon, and you're giving them leftovers from the freezer? This deserves a, a real suda, a meat meal. So he arranges to have a suda with meat with their favorite dishes, and he explains to the children how proud he is of them, and they begin to sing Ashreinu Matov Chalkeinu Manu Gerleinu and that's how these children were able to dance in the parking lot but that's not the end of the story the end of the story is that uh, the end of that season this, this woman is taking her daughter to shop I guess for clothes for the new school year 
and uh, she, there's a certain dress that she wanted to wear. And she looked at her mother and she said, is this kosher or is this an ashreinu? Because <laughs> should give us the strength to be able to learn these great lessons, have the strength ourselves, so that we will see great nachas and see our children sing that we have to give them. We want them to learn from us in the Shreinu Matom Chokeinu.